Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. We are in the Rejuvenate studio in Duluth, Georgia. And in this episode, we talk with ourselves. Since this is the very first episode of the podcast, we think it just makes sense to tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. With me today is my co-host, Bobby Schindler, who joins us from the undisclosed location where he lives with his lovely daughter, who evidently knows quite a lot more about how to use a microphone than even Bobby does. Bobby, how's it going? Good morning, Sean. Interesting. I'm in day seven of my eight-day quarantine. This will be my fifth quarantine since COVID begins. So anxiously looking forward to being free, looking forward to being actually to do this broadcast together. But for now, I'm in beautiful downtown Cumming, Georgia. I like it. So much for undisclosed. Now we know. We've narrowed it down to Cumming, Georgia. My brother just moved up there near where your club is at Windermere, but we'll cover that. He, uh, he enjoys the new area, but we'll get into all that. But first, we want to start with a little bit of value for our listener, you the listener, in our weekly tennis tip. And this one comes from me personally. I will get us started and then we will try to get tennis tips from you, the listener, or from our coaches or professionals that come in. But today's tennis tip, I get to tell a story about a very old very bald tennis pro that once told me about getting down low for your volley. So if you're close to the net and you got to hit that volley and it's down low, the phrase that he used was get your face down in it. And I thought it was fantastic because it really just got you to think about getting your face really close to that volley. It gets your knees bent. It gets you down low. It reminds you that your face is, the phrase I use with the kids, use your eyeballs. The phrase is, get your face down in it. Hit the volley at eye level. But that doesn't mean wait for for a volley that happens to come head high. Get your face down in it. And it reminded me to watch the racket hit the ball and all those other things. I thought it was a fantastic phrase to remember. It stuck with me for... 20 years now, I guess, and we'll have to give credit to Mr. Lyle Newson, who was my head pro at TPC Sugarloaf back then when he shared that with me. So we'll see if we can get him on the show to share more about that. Hopefully he remembers that and it was as memorable for him as it is as it is for me. But there you go. That was this week's tennis tip. If you have a tennis tip you'd like to share with us, we always love to hear from coaches, players, or anyone who thinks they know something. So send us an email, we'll take a look, and maybe we'll feature your tennis tip on the show. So in this episode, Bobby and I will share our, quote, resume and name dropping time. We will share with you, the listener, a little bit about ourselves and how we got here. So Bobby, you want to get us started? Yeah, thanks, Sean. Hey, grew up in New York. My mother had a dream that I beat Jimmy Connors at Wimbledon, and and before I knew it, I was taking tennis lessons. Started a little late, probably around 12 years old when I got started in an academy setting. Didn't really go the USTA route, didn't play a lot of tournaments because in my club there were at least 16 people that could hand me my butt at any given time. So I didn't feel the need to play outside of that. Got humbled, played through high school and just decided, hey, 
it was a good run, but didn't see any future in it. Went to school, got a couple of degrees at Texas Christian University. A couple of years later, I came down to Georgia to get my master's degree at Georgia State in the sports marketing department, where I was fortunate enough to sit in class with a gentleman who is now a very good friend, who is named is Billy Pate. And Billy Pate is the coach at tennis coach at Princeton University. And basically, we turned out to be roommates. And between class and going to jobs, I spent a lot of time on the tennis court with Billy, getting my skills back up to par. Through Billy, I met Dennis Horde, who was brought to Atlanta by a couple of former Davis Cup captains, Dennis Ralston and Tom Gorman, and continued my tennis journey through Dennis. And Dennis was a fantastic coach, very good at making things relatable to me because my background in sports was more baseball than tennis, but he was great at creating baseball analogies for me. Then that started my path. Once out of grad school, my first tennis teaching job was at Chastain Park. Uh, through that, met so many people. Got into the business side through Jeff Benton. Jeff Benton's the son of Ray Benton, whose father, who Ray started the senior tour with Jimmy Connors. So got involved with the senior tour, doing selling some sponsorships for them and being their sideline announcer during their tournaments culminated in being their tournament administrator the last year they were here. And uh, I was responsible for the tournament going under. No, we didn't make it that year, but there were more reasons than me. But that was the end of the senior tour, the Jimmy Connors senior tour. But continued on, had met netcord.com through that relationship, which got me further involved in the business tennis side of things, selling sponsorship for Netcord. Netcord, for those who don't remember, was the precursor to Tennis Point, uh, a team management site that was very good for its day. And unfortunately, the, the, one of the founders passed away and we, we all kind of lost momentum for what we were doing, but led to Tennis Point and the, the continued growth of the team management systems. And then basically have been on the court, for 13 years, I was at White Collins Country Club as the tennis director. I am now at Windermere Subdivision as the tennis director, still involved in the business side as an advocate for the reservation app courts.com. You and I have been friends for a long time. We started discussing maybe doing this, taking the, our tennis opinions to a second level. And here we are. I like it. You were at White Collins for 13 years. 13 years. Probably a little longer the company. I was actually there for 13 years, but I think we actually took it over in 1998. So we might add the ERS tennis or it was PTM was there for probably 15 years, closer to 15. I think I met you when it was PTM. Yes. And ERS are the initials of my daughter, Emily Rose. So she's, she was very excited at 10 years old to have a company named after her. I'm sure. I am sure. We actually went the other way years ago when we were discussing naming ankle biters and I took a relatively recognizable concept where ankle biters isn't unique in the universe as to describing little children. And it's been used in the tennis world before, but I didn't want to name it Sean Boyce tennis because my name wasn't the point. And from a scalability point of view, I didn't want somebody coming in going, well, why don't we have coach Sean? I want to be able to bring in another coach. So, oh, you work for ankle biters. Nobody has that in their mind of, well, where's the big name guy that's supposed to be here doing the thing? Why do I have you and who are you? So I took it a, a different direction. And even for you, ERS, you're using the initials 
Emily Rose is a beautiful name, but not a recognizable name in the tennis industry. And there's a lot of truth to that. When we were PTM, Promotional Tennis Management, I was kind of the person who would go in and make initial contact with the facilities. And it was always an issue or an explanation. Look, I'm not going to be here. I run the company. We are going to staff it for you. And, but, you know, I'll be your phone call. And people have a hard time with that. They want to have direct contact to who they think there was, even though they love the idea of a management company, they also wanted to be able to say, we want this person. Who's the best. Exactly. The problem with that is if you're unhappy with the best, who are you going to call to say, all right, I need your other best. And that was the thing that we ran into with ankle biters and I'm, and I'm jumping in with what I've done a little bit and how and why I did it was I wanted the school, we were working with preschools at the time, I wanted the school to be able to call somebody, to call the man, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what? This coach isn't great because you send us somebody else. As opposed to, I'm the tennis coach at this school and when the school wants to make a change, you get fired and they have to go find somebody else. I'd rather have people that I trust that I can send you that I might be able to personalize to you. If I have somebody that speaks Spanish and you have a lot of Spanish kids in your school, let's talk about that. That just makes sense to do it that way. Or in a Korean school, I have a Korean instructor that speaks Korean. That's fantastic. I'm going to send him there. We can personalize who goes to which facility rather than just being the guy that has to be at all facilities we can help you do that. But you call me if you have an issue and I help you fix it. It isn't just that we get fired because we're the only one. No, completely agree. I, I, I think all businesses should look at it as a business owner. I try to hire everybody below me is, is good or better because I want to, you to feel comfortable with who you're getting at your facility. And again, every time there's always the potential for conflict, personality difference, where, but that's the beauty of it. Okay, if you're not getting along with this individual, no matter his credentials or her credentials, we do have somebody else we can bring in for you and, and see if we can make it where everybody's comfortable with the surroundings. Because I think that's a, another failing of tennis. The, the coach has to be comfortable as well. We want that pers person performing at their highest level. We want them in an environment that he or she feels most comfortable. The right and fit. that's our responsibility as a business owner is to put them in that environment where they can succeed. So the, the flexibility of management and be able to flip people in and out accordingly, it makes it a beneficial for everybody. Agreed. And I think that's one of the things that's going to come up as a theme in our podcasts in the future is that's a great idea. And I'm sure you've run into what we've run into, but probably more so than we have because we hire young instructors that are willing to follow a structure. You're at a point where you ERS is hiring directors and real full-time pros and helping with those placements. And in that case, you really got to trust that person. And that person has to be willing to kind of serve two masters. You work for the club, but you also have that you also come from ERS. You're also there because of me. So there's a there's a two masters thing. And if you've ever met a tennis coach, they don't like having any masters. I, I completely agree. And we and I will say we got out of that part of the business model for that very reason. Either the facility would try to hire the person away from us directly and then come back and complain 
well, we're not getting the same service. Well, you hired one person. You had a company previously. You don't pay. The, res the resources aren't there enough for one person to succeed. But when it was a team, yes, you, you had access to Friday night round robins. You had access to a lot more. And in the same regard with the coach, the coach sits there and says, why am I kicking back a percentage of what I'm making? I can do this all by myself. So, yes, yeah. I, I did not like the business model. And no. I went more to a different side of this tennis side of business for that reason. Yeah, and we've, we've discussed that a lot. And I'm sure that will come up a lot. And hopefully in our future podcasts, we can discuss that and possibly have that conversation that says, that talks about tennis pros and the ego and how we can work together better. One of the ways you and I got together, and I'll skip a lot of my past because it's, I've been a tennis coach. I'm a USPTA certified tennis coach. And my claim to fame, so to speak, the thing that I do now is ankle biters tennis and ankle biters extracurriculars. The tennis side of that focuses on 10 and unders. We focus on 10 and under beginners. And the, one of the reasons I can just go out and make friends with other tennis coaches is there aren't a lot of other tennis coaches out there that love to work with the little seven-year-old and then also love to work with eight little seven-year-olds. They just don't enjoy it. And it is what we do day in and day out. So we come together with you, Bobby, as a club like Windermere, or another partner we have at Appalachie Farms in Decula. And we do the thing that not a lot of tennis coaches or directors such as yourself, you just don't have time for. Or a director of tennis like Mark Wiley at Appalachie, he doesn't have enough part-time pros down there to run a really successful 10 and under program. So we become friends because we're not competing with each other and we're not worried about that. What's mine is yours territorial thing that tennis coaches can get into. It's tough. In Atlanta. Listen, to be a tennis coach back in the day, you needed a hopper and some tennis balls and you would go facility to facility. The USPTA and USPTR with their certifications has professionalized it further legitimized the industry the gpta locally has tried to do the same we're saying you have to be a certified tennis professional to be a part of the gpta so there are organizations that have tried to take that next step to make us more legitimate but it is it's hard it gets down to convenience it's if you everybody has tennis courts the amazing part about atlanta is the culture that created the need for two lighted tennis courts and a bathroom so your subdivision can play tennis. And, Thank and be, you, Alta. It'd be an Alta. Thank it's you, amazing. Alta. They really pushed that to say, this is what you have to have minimum. And we've got to bring home builders on. Let's find some people. I need to find whoever Mr. Century Communities is who's building my house right now and bring them on and say, why did you choose to put in two tennis courts with lights and a bathroom for your neighborhood? Because not all neighborhoods have them, but in Atlanta, it's part of the culture. It's embedded. And they lose money. I mean, they would rather build two more houses than put up two tennis courts. So it's it costs them their bottom line. But in the long run, they know they need it to sell the other homes. So it is beneficial. But it is amazing that it culturally Atlanta became where it was necessity to build tennis courts. And a bathroom. Yeah. A bathroom. And that's and that's the thing. The question would be, I'm curious to have that conversation with a builder and ask, Overall, if you put in two tennis courts, and in my neighborhood specifically, they've also put in a pickleball court. Yes. So something's changing. I, I want to know why would they choose to do that? And if they can 
recuperate the the space. They could have built, and maybe it was just the land as to how it was, and they go they got lucky or whatever it is, or unlucky that says you can't build a house here. So you might as well put X, Y, and Z here to raise the value of the homes in the neighborhood. Is there an ROI there that says my house is worth X more because there's tennis courts and a pickleball court and those amenities to make up for the one-time sale of another house on that on that spot? But those are those are fun Atlanta-specific conversations. It's going to be different in LA when we talk to other guests from different areas. If you're talking about somebody from California or from the Northeast. We're going to have conversations that are different to be able to say, okay, well, Atlanta has this culture. Let's talk about it. How can we make it even better? And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It is. And I completely agree. And my, my tagline always for people when talk coming from the Northeast, I say nothing against tennis. I love tennis. I think tennis is being played in an unbelievable level right now on the professional side that you have to admire it. The athleticism that's going on is so surpasses when I began, but the reality is the tennis league Alta in New York, I call it a bowling league because it was a same basic numbers. 10 people got together in a social environment, competed and played bowling. It was bowling instead of tennis because that's where it started. Where in Atlanta, they made the, you know, the weather was better. You had the outside, they made a commitment to tennis and it's hard to believe, but you know, Alta began in 19, early 1970s. So it's been going a while. It's it certainly done wonderful, but it, it took 50 years to get here to where we are today. Definitely. And I think that's going to be fun for us to talk about Alta, to talk about the difference of Atlanta tennis culture, and then bring in the, as you said, the tennis coach that just has a basket of balls, a hat and a racket and can go coach. Well, what helps him as him or her as the tennis coach be a better coach for the listener, the listener that comes and listens to this podcast that says, oh, I want to learn about the culture because maybe I can learn how to choose a better tennis coach or what's a reasonable rate that I'm paying. I'm paying $30 an hour. Does it really cost that much? And you're going to have every coach right now look up and say, yeah, it should cost twice that much. Yeah, if you're, you're going to pay for quality. And in tennis coaching, it is more often than not true that you get what you pay for. But at some level, like with ankle biters, we are able to keep the costs under control with a very specific product. Working with young children is a very specific and fairly expensive product, but we can keep those costs down because we know how to do it, because we're good at it. But we get to talk to that traveling coach. We get to talk to elite country club coaches. We'll talk to master pros. We'll talk to some famous people. We'll talk to some former professional players. So we have a lot to talk about that says, okay, you run DeKalb Tennis Center. That's big. What's that like, right? Oh, you're a traveling coach and you work in one neighborhood. That's fantastic. What's that like? What are the differences? How can we help both of you? What's the conversation that matters to everybody here? And if it's not just one conversation, if it's a hundred conversations, we're going to do a hundred conversations. So true. And it's going to mean we're going to poke the bear, which is the USTA and the culture of tennis, which for too long on both sides sells this idea, whether it be the teaching professional or the industry itself, that bases your worth on an hour. You ask a coach when I interview coaches, 
well, you know, what do you see yourself doing? What do you want to make? Well, I want to work this many hours. And that's my cue. I immediately dis dismiss somebody because if you're telling me about hours, you're not taking into the fact that there are holidays, bad weather in Atlanta. So don't tell me you work 30 hours a week because you don't work 52 hours. I mean, 52 weeks a year. So throw that out immediately. And the same thing to the industry that puts the value on, well, this is what an hour costs. Listen, and in that hour, you're not paying me for that hour. Yes, you are, but you're also paying me for a lifetime of accumulating knowledge that I bring to that hour. And that needs to be said much better than it's said for all concerned. So the consumer feels better. We want the consumer to feel very excited about what they're getting for that and the, the measures that the folks have to go through. The fact that as USPTA professionals, we have to do continuing education to keep abreast of what's new in the industry. These are all good things that have been making a difference with our certifications and the industry itself has seen. But the industry needs to do a better job making our lives easier and we need to do a better job not placing our value on an hour's work because we do more than an hour, we know that. This is true. Well, there we go. We want to thank Rejuvenate for the use of their studio. Be sure to check out Coach Jovi's online health and wellness studio at rejuvenate.com. That is R-E-G-E-O-V-I-N-A-T-E, -E, like rejuvenate, but rejuvenate because her name in the coaching world is Coach Geo. I call her wife, so I am definitely a bit biased, but check that out, rejuvenate.com. And you can check out other episodes of the Atlanta Tennis Podcast at atlantatennispodcast.com. I shouldn't have to spell that one out for you. Also find us on social media. Be sure to like, subscribe, share all the social media stuff, but mainly subscribe. The thing we will actually just ask you is whether you listen every episode or just every once in a while, you can subscribe in your podcast app it costs you nothing, but it helps us keep the show going, and we really appreciate it. We always have promotions, keep you up to date with latest happenings and upcoming events, and we should have some really great guests coming up. And with that, we're out. Bobby, see you next time. Yes, Sean, thanks a lot. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for enjoying your time with us. In this episode, Bobby and I talked about how we ended up where we are, and some of the ways we're excited about where the podcast will go. Please remember to hit that subscribe button as it definitely helps us out and we really do thank you for being part of our conversation. If you would like to be a more direct part of the conversation, please find us on social media and send us a comment. You're also invited to check out atlantatennispodcast.com where we can communicate with you directly and where there will be a ton of value for you, our listeners. Thanks again and we'll talk with you again soon.